The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. Today I'm talking with Marnie Kahn. Hi, Marnie. Hi, Adam. How are you? Great. Thank you. Great to be here with you. And full disclosure, I've known Marnie since high school, right? (laughs) Yeah, probably even middle school too. Where where did you go well, to junior? I think, high? I think we went to old, uh, old Court together. So you went to Old Court too. I went to Old Court. See, you probably don't remember because I came in. You know, I wasn't at elementary school with you guys. I went to a Pikesville Elementary School, and then I moved in sixth grade, and that's why I jumped in. You know, Old Court with you guys. Okay. So I probably didn't get to know you till a little bit later, maybe like tenth grade, ninth or tenth grade. Yeah, I didn't know too many people back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's junior high. It's an awkward time. Right. Okay, so you are a a licensed counselor and psychotherapist with over 12 years experience, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And all right, so let me ask you, what's the difference between a psychotherapist and a counselor? Really nothing. <laughs> let me let me help you. Okay. Because my actual license, LCPC stands for licensed clinical professional counselor. So gotcha. I'm a licensed counselor, but you could also call me a licensed therapist. It's interchangeable. So psychotherapist, counselor, interchangeable. Yeah. Psychotherapist is someone like someone who does talk therapy. So I could call myself a psychotherapist, but I don't. I just call myself a therapist slash counselor. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the difference between a psychotherapist or counselor and a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Right. A psychologist. Okay. So a, a, a therapist like me has to have a master's degree. So um, okay. we, got, we got, you get a master's degree in counseling um, and then you become a licensed you know, counselor. Now for a psychologist, they go on an additional two years to get their PhD. So okay. there, so if I went for two additional years, I'd be a psychologist and my uh, degree would be a PhD. You would call me Dr. Khan. So PhDs are doctors. They're doctors of their, um, their field. Okay. Gotcha. So, but they cannot prescribe. They're not an MD. They're a PhD. So, you know, you could be a doctor of education, a doctor of, um, business you had just gone all the way through the PhD right. but you can't prescribe medication now a psychiatrist they went to medical school they are MDs they are doctors but they specialize in psychiatry so they can prescribe medication um, okay now a lot of psychologists they a lot of their work is based on a lot of research i mean there are psychologists who do talk therapy but their main Interest, I think, is research. So a lot of them are behind the scenes doing research, a lot of psychologists. And, um, you know, licensed therapists are more out there, you know, doing talk therapy. Okay. 
that's very interesting. And thank you for, for explaining that. I, I'm, I'm clear on that now. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. But you could also so, have a counselor who did not get a master's level, a master's degree. Um, you could be called a counselor if you were um, a substance abuse counselor. You get, you, 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 go, you get your bachelor's degree and then you go ahead and you get a certificate in substance, you know, um, okay. in that field. Or you could be a, res- a vocational counselor, someone who works with people, helping people get jobs. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so um, so just to be clear, does someone have to be diagnosed with some kind of uh, a mental disorder first before you can treat them, or no? Nope, nope. Okay, now, but that's a very good question because if you plan to use your insurance and you want insurance to pay for you to get therapy, they're going to have to give you a diagnosis of something. So you will get a. Gotcha. So say you went in to see somebody at a clinic and you used your insurance, um, you would have to have some, something that would qualify for the insurance to pay for you. You would have to have some kind of diagnosis. And, there, and the, yeah, you have to have a diagnosis. But if you were just paying cash out of pocket, you know, you wouldn't need to be diagnosed. Gotcha. And someone might just feel, and I'm going to ask you this later, but uh, someone might just, uh, you know, feel like they might be able to use your services. Absolutely. They don't have to worry about, uh, oh. you know, being diagnosed with something, right? They could Absolutely. just call you. Absolutely. And-, and that's what I really, I, that's what I love doing, working with people. I mean, I work at a hospital, so they have to have diagnoses, but people are, you know, are stressed and they don't always have to have a diagnosis or they don't you know, always have a diagnosis. They're just stressed and they want to have somewhere to talk and talk to their emotions and, you know, come up with some co- help, get some help, get some relief. So yeah. It's Absolutely. Really valuable. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so I know you can, you can help with all kinds of things, uh, not just stress related, but, but since the podcast is about stress, let's, well, we'll just focus on that. But, um, so let me pose a question to you and then get your take on it. So let's say you have a day job and of course you also have all your other normal routine obligations and responsibilities outside of that. Uh, but then on top of that, let's say you're also putting in extra time to pursue personal goals. That could be starting a side business or doing extra uh, to try to climb the corporate ladder or mm-hmm. taking classes after work or fitness goals or what have you. Uh, or maybe you're just trying to squeeze in a couple more hours a week to spend with your kids or significant other. That's a legitimate goal too. Right. Um, but based on how ambitious your goals may be, and what limited resources you may have, you might find yourself in a situation where you feel that you can't afford to slow down very much if you want to have any decent chance of reaching your goals, even if it means, unfortunately, having to endure stress-related symptoms. So this is a case where your your natural never-ending drive to succeed, your intrinsic motivation, which is a good trait to me, I mean, it should be celebrated, uh, you know, as it gives your, your life purpose, but it sometimes competes with your need to rest. Right. We don't want it to be either or. We know that good health is an integral part of success. So my question is this, the situation I just described is certainly not ideal, but based on your experience, is intervention, counseling, therapy, is that warranted in this case or not? I think it would be warranted 
just to help you kind of, um, first of all, help you have a place to talk about what's going on with you. Because I think all these things, not saying you, but whoever's doing this, you know, all these things on your mind can be very um, kind of intrusive. You know, your mind gets jam-packed with all these thoughts and ideas and deadlines. So there. Oh, absolutely. Right. So you need, so having a good place to talk, a nice place to talk with someone who is not family, not a friend, someone who is totally objective and is not going to judge you. Um, and I think talking about these things helps because it helps you kind of put in perspective, kind of see, um, uh, you get also different ideas on how to, to deal with all these things you're juggling. And the most important thing is learning ways to deal with the stress because you cannot, you know, live stressed out 24 seven, your body will give out. It can't be done. You have to, I mean, it can be done, but to the choir, it, could yeah. cost you, it could cost you your health. Absolutely. So you know, going to a place, talking these things through with a counselor once a week, once every two weeks or once a month, whatever you need, you might need it once a week in the very beginning, just to help you get, you know, a different perspective, but it kind of clears the air within yourself, having these things to talk through. Cause I can imagine you're doing all these different things. You have all these ambitions. It gets um, hard to kind of see your way through it. Yup. Yup. Is, uh, is so, so let me ask you this point blank. Is it, I just want to make sure I, I, I got it. So is it ever okay to put yourself at risk health-wise, physically or mentally, in order to pursue a personal goal or a calling or a mission? I mean. I don't, I don't think so, no. Mm -mm. But let me ask you this. So, so for example, I, and this is a kind of a weird uh, extreme example, but let's say I wanted to climb Mount Everest. Okay. So, I mean, obviously I'm taking a risk. Mm. Some people, unfortunately, never, never come back. So, I mean, it, that's a little different. Yeah. Okay. You're climbing a mountain. Yeah. You're going to put everything into it to get to that top of the mountain. Of course, of course, you're going to put everything into it to get to the top of the mountain. But in everyday life, we have to pace ourselves. We really do. Because the body, Absolutely. The body can't take all the stress. It will break. Um, the body will break. You know, you will, have, you will get increased symptoms. Your body will give you signs that will force you to slow down. You might Absolutely. Break Your body's talking to you, right? You will break a leg. Um, you'll have a car accident. You'll get a diagnosis of some kind of disorder. Something yep. to make you stop and slow down. Your body will find a way. Yeah. Absolutely. I advise people to do it before that happens. Yep. Yep. And, you know, so it, it's, you know, I'm always talking about this in my podcast is that balance uh, that, Sometimes if you feel that you have to push yourself or you can't reach your goals, that's kind of the, the part where it kind of gets fuzzy. It almost turns into a philosophical discussion because, you know, you could say, well, all right, I'm healthy, but why am I healthy? Just to stand here and say, hey, look at me, I'm healthy. So it, it, it's like, well, I'm trying to, you know, pursue my goals. And unfortunately, sometimes that means I got to push myself to do it. So people like me, workaholics, we're kind of always struggling 
you know, to find that balance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want, you want to definitely incorporate some things in your life, your daily life to create the balance. Um, I'm a huge advocate and fan of meditating and you don't even have to do it for long, maybe 10 minutes. Let me ask you that. So you were telling me before we started recording that you have these coping, um, yeah. coping methods. And so, yeah, this is probably a good time to talk about that. Yeah. I have a specific question about the meditating. Okay. Um, and I was reading, uh, some research study. In fact, I'm going to do a podcast on this soon. Um, that someone else I know I follow on LinkedIn just posted. And it said that, uh, that meditation there, there, there's might help you with cardiovascular, uh, issues. Yeah. Um, but it, but then it said like somewhere down, uh, down the, uh, in the study that they didn't ask the participants in the survey, how long they they do the meditation, how frequent they do the med- meditation. And it's so frustrating for me because I'm like, I'm like, it, 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 it reminds me of Bigfoot. The, it, all the, it, the pictures are never quite clear enough, you know? So it's yeah, like- Yeah, I understand what you're saying, yeah. So, so in your opinion, I know you don't have all the answers, but in your opinion, like how much would yeah. someone in this, in this, in my example, um, how much should they be meditating once a day for five minutes or three times a day or once every other day or what? I would definitely say daily for, I mean, I'd say 15 minutes would be great. If you could do 15, 20 minutes would be great. But if you only have 10 minutes, that is great. The key is to be, do it daily for at least 10 to 15 minutes. I'd say every day and be consistent with it. So let's say, um, Let's say, for example, I had high blood pressure, mm-hmm. and I heard that meditation can lower that. Mm-hmm. So if I if I do like you say, and I meditate for ten or fifteen minutes mm-hmm. a day, is my blood pressure might go down for yeah yeah for some amount of time following the meditation, mm-hmm. but then will no. will will go down generally for the whole day or it's. It is accumulative. So I think what happens is, I don't know if it goes down like that moment when you're doing it or afterwards. I think what happens is after you've been doing it for a while and you've made it a part of your life and you've been practicing it, say maybe for a month or two or a few months, or I, I'm just guessing, I okay. think it has a cumulative effect where, you're, you're, where I believe your blood pressure will, will be reduced. So over time, it changes your baseline with your blood pressure. That's very interesting. I like that. Yeah, it's like a long-term effect it has. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. short, short-term, you will definitely feel it, but I think what it does is, you know, in order to change your blood pressure and change your body, I think it happens long-term over time. Gotcha. It's almost like you're, you're teaching your body, your mind. Exactly. You're basically changing your body with your mind. Your mind is helping you completely change your body. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, so let's, uh, let's switch gears a little. Oh, I'm sorry. So do you have, um, other coping mechanisms or uh, other coping oh, yeah. uh, ways? to cope? Yeah. There are a couple that I love that I use all the time that I share with my clients and my friends and my family. Um, okay. one is called, um, heart coherence. And this, if you want to check out heart math, have you heard of heart math? 
No. You're going to love it, Adam. Check out HeartMath Institute. They do, they've done hardcore scientific research for the past 20 years on um, the effects of stress on the body and the effects of having a coherent heart and, and brain balance and state how that creates just total balance in the body and changes your, changes your blood pressure, changes all of your systems, your respiratory, um, endocrine system, everything can be changed with doing this, this, this coherence breathing, um, tool. So this is a, so what, so so this is a breathing type of exercise. Yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your awareness. Okay. Take your awareness. Our awareness is always in our heads. We're always in our heads. Drop your attention, your focus, your awareness, whatever you want to call that focus, and drop it down to the center of your chest. And if you want to put your hand right there in the center of your chest, this is your, 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 your heart chakra energy center right there, right in the center. Okay. If you put your hand there, your attention will go there because usually your mind will go to where your hand is on your body. So bring your attention. You might want to close your eyes. We could try it. And you're, so you've got your hand there in the center of your chest, so your attention is there. Okay. Now take some nice, slow, deep breaths through your nose, but imagine that you're breathing through the heart center. Mm. Let's try it for a minute. Just take your- That's interesting, okay. Imagine that you're actually breathing through the heart center. And, and what is this, um... this? This creates a coherence in your brain and your heart. Okay. We want to become, yeah, this brings a so how, and, and how, how much do you do it? You could or? do it for maybe two or three minutes every day. I would do it. I think this is a great thing to do several times a day, maybe three, four times a day, five times a day. You can't, you can't ever do it too much, but you only need to do it for a couple minutes. And do you have to do it in a, in a quiet location yeah. or no. it, okay. anywhere? You can do it when you're in line at the grocery store. You can interest when you're at work at the office, when you're talking to someone at work, when you're talking to your boss, when you're talking to a colleague, when you're talking to a client, when you're in a difficult conversation is the best time to do it. Yeah. yeah anytime. You're just bringing your awareness down into your heart and you're breathing through it. Yeah. That seems very interesting because the one thing about meditation that I, um, or a lot of people, it, it, they find it, it's difficult. It takes practice. But this, so, so this is called heart, what's it called again? Heart coherence. Heart coherence. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's something easier that you can very, do. Yes, very easy. Awesome. A any other coping uh, type of uh, mechanisms or uh, ways another to? Another one that's great. Another one, have you heard of EFT before? EFT? Or, I or tapping is another name for it. Yes, that's, yes, that is phenomenal. That works very well. Have you tried it? No, I've heard of it. <laughs> okay, so tapping is like another word for EFT. EFT stands for emotional freedom technique, and we could try it right now. We could do it. We actually it would be kind of difficult because you have to. I, I could tell you where the points. So basically, you're tapping on certain points on your head, on your face. And what you're doing is you're tapping on these, these meridian points, these energy lines. Okay. And what you're doing is you're tapping on these points and you know, you're basically clearing out whatever charge you're feeling. So if you're all amped up, you're really anxious, you're really stressed out, you tap on these points and it just clears the energy 
and you feel it in the moment. You can feel it as you're doing it. Now, is there a is is it is this like on your website or something? Is there a place? Um, that you know you can... what? I didn't put EFT on my website. I need to add that on there. Okay, we're going we're going to talk about your website in a minute. But I I was just wondering because you got all these things and it's, um, I mean it's great. Uh, so um, mm-hmm. but I can't keep track of it all. So we got, <laughs> but definitely I've heard of it for sure. And I was going to bring up. Um, I got another question for you to bring up. Uh, that, that I'll bring up in a little bit. But um, so let's switch gears a little bit. In fact, this kind of leads into um, this next question really, uh, really well. But because I often talk about the conventional world and the holistic world of services, mm-hmm. and I guess you kind of fall into worlds, but I think of you more of like in the holistic world in the sense that you address the root causes like cognitive therapy right. as opposed to just relieving stress, like getting a massage or something. Right. Yeah. You help people avoid stress in the first place, which is very admirable, but I'm assuming is the more difficult course to take, right? Like how difficult is cognitive therapy? Like uh, having to yeah. identify and acknowledge and challenge your assumptions. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to say is you're not going to avoid stress, but you're going to be able to manage it and, 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 and when you're feeling stress, you're going to work with it and bring it and reduce it because we can't, there's no way we're going to avoid stress. Okay. But we can, we, we can work with it. We can, we can notice it when we're in it, identify it, and then do something about it instead of just letting it be there and, and get more stressed out. Um, gotcha. So the cognitive behavioral therapy is great. I also, I, I'll talk a little bit about that. I also love acceptance commitment therapy. I'll tell you about that. That's great too. Those are my favorites. But cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah, it takes a little more work in regards to in opposition of just taking medication. Some people will just want medication because they don't want to deal with the, you know, the actual work. Right. So cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah, you have to do a little work. You have to change your behaviors and you have to be aware of your thoughts. Um, challenging. Challenging, yeah. So there's more effort involved. Um, but you, that's how you, that's how you grow though, that we're, we're being called to grow or evolving. Yeah. It's the more holistic mm-hmm. way to, Absolutely. you know, solve issues and things. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the themes in my monologues that I do is that to me, at least the, the holistic world of services is fragmented by, by its very nature. It's not like, it's not streamlined like conventional medicine is you go to the doctor, you get diagnosed, you get a prescription, uh, they automatically charge your insurance company, you know, there's a whole coding system and pricing tiers and referral policy and so on. But in the holistic world, if you have an issue, if someone wants to, to, to try to pursue a more holistic approach to solving, you know, it, it usually starts with an, with an actual health issue, you know, wh- wh- where do you where do you start? You can hire a health coach or a wellness coach, or you can try nature uh, naturopathy or homeopathy or special diets or physical fitness programs. Uh, you know, a good fitness program is good for mental health. Yeah, uh, you can do yoga and massage therapy and acupuncture. That's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, acupressure, oh. uh, the EFT tapping you just talked about. You can do Reiki. Yeah. Spirit- healing flow cabins essential oils resilience 
training, cognitive therapy, the mindfulness, deep breathing exercises, meditation. <laughs> you, you, you see where I'm going with this. Symptom trackers, biofeedback apps, sleep enhancement apps, medical marijuana. It's all over the place. Right. So, so what modalities like, like are more indicated for what issues? Where, where do you begin? And you know how do you put one over the other? And I know you don't have all the answers, but I'm just yeah. curious what your thoughts are on that. Sure. I will choose what modalities I think are best a good fit for the client. Okay. Some clients, um, I know this won't do EFT. They think it's weird. They think it's strange. They won't do it. Some clients I know will never meditate. So you have to kind of see, you know, what's a good fit for them. I I think everybody, I tell all my clients about the heart coherence breathing technique because that's simple. And, you know, and there's a lot of satisfaction that gain from doing it. So I know people, everybody will do that. If I, I, I like to, I'd like to offer that to everybody. Yeah. I'm going to um, try that myself. Yeah. Um, so it's really according to what kind of person the person is, you know, what it's, it's very specific, I think. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not so, like, yeah. I was just going to say, so. So in general, I mean, who would be a really good fit for your services? Because, I mean, we all experience yeah. some anxiety, some fear, some depression, some stress, right? We all have some rough patches, but we don't all need counseling, right? I mean, is there a list of questions or a checkbox, check boxes that, that one can go through to see if they're right for counseling? Or how does that work? Yeah, well... I mean, people just, people will come to me because their, their life is not working. Like one client I have, she's very anxious. She, she, she reached out to me through my website um, because her okay. anxiety was so bad. She was just, you know, suffering from anxiety. So, um, and how did she hear about you? My web, my website. I think she was, well, she was looking for a therapist in this area and I'm listed on therapy tribe. So she found me. Oh, so therapy but tribe, gotcha. Therapy tribe is is a, is where I'm. Uh, they they have listed me. Like I think I I forgot how she found me, but I know I, I paid therapy tribe to put me out there. You know what I mean? Sure. And they ones who did my website. Um, so if you look for a therapist in Reisterstown, my name will pop up. Okay. You know. Well, I'm spreading I'm spreading the word about your your services right now. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Thanks. But I think, yeah, people who could use my services, basically, are, are, you, are you unhappy? I mean, is your life working for you? I mean, you know, if you're happy, you know, if you're struggling, uh, I know if what gotcha. you're doing over again is not working and you just continue to be the depressed or you, you, you're always anxious and worried, then yeah, that's, that's a good, that's, that's the perfect candidate. Let me ask you this. Are there any commonalities to the stress related issues that clients, you know, come to you with, is there, yeah. is there one or two things, one, two yeah. or three things that people, you know, are really stressed out about that well, come to you? You know what it is? It is that the commonality is that they're all being overrun and taken down by their thoughts, their thinking. It's the, gotcha. it's the thoughts. And so I love to teach my clients about how to work with their thoughts that is the problem of being human. That's, that is the commonality. We are always thinking, and that's never going to stop, but it's how do you change the relationship with the thoughts? Because they're not going to stop. But when you start 
looking at thoughts in a different way and realizing that they're just thoughts. They're not truths. That, gotcha. And that, that's when things will change, when, um, when you learn how to have a different relationship with the thoughts. Because they will take gotcha. it down. They will, yeah. So, so that, yeah. Things. yeah. Sorry. So that's interesting. So, you know, it's not like there's one or two kind of situations well, okay. that people there, find themselves. No, there oh, is, go ahead. Adam. There is. And guess what it is? Oh, okay. Guess what it is. Guess what the common thought is. Ready for this? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's the common theme. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a human theme. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a human condition. People think they're not good enough. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So, so I have to ask this. So does counseling or uh, the therapy always have a positive outcome or outcome, or does sometimes it, it not work for whatever reason? What, what would you estimate your success rate to be? You mean in terms, I mean, in terms of, is it always a positive I, I, outcome? I see a lot of positive outcomes. I'd say a very high proportion of positive outcomes. But it all okay. depends on where you are in life. If you come to me and you are really, really serious about it, you'll have a positive outcome. You know? Okay. Um, but if you're not serious and, you, you know, like some clients where I work at the hospital, they come in, maybe they're being forced to come in. There's not positive outcomes. They don't really care. So they, they stop coming. Um, gotcha. You know what I mean? So you have to want, if you're invested in it, you'll have a positive outcome. Yeah. That makes sense actually. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be open and willing to change gotcha. and learn. Yeah. Good question. So how did you get interested in being a, uh, a therapist or a counselor? I'm always interested in knowing how people get interested in their uh, respective fields. Well, I remember in 11th grade, you remember Mr. Snyder from Randall? Was, he a, was he a math teacher? No, he was a, a social studies. Oh. I think Snyder was maybe a math teacher in junior high that we had, I think. I don't know. But I remember yeah. we were in 11th grade and we were talking, the topic of the class was what we want to do when we, when we get, you know, graduate. And I remember okay. it popped in my mind, I want to be a psychologist. It just popped in, right? Okay. But I didn't really think much about it. There was no reason. I had no idea why. No idea. And not until much later. So I went to college, got the you know, bachelor's degree in psychology. I just knew. I just knew I was doing that. And then I wasn't really, I think the, the main reason I did you know, want to do this was I wanted to help people to alleviate suffering. I saw that everyone was suffering at some point with anxiety or um, feeling of not being good enough. I was, yeah. I knew it was a common theme. I mean, I knew I felt it when I was younger and I just had a feeling that it was more prevalent than just me, than my experience. So I really wanted to help people not feel that way. Right. You know? Well, that's very admirable. I mean, um, so, so let me ask you, so your website, it's balance and ease Dot com. It's actually balanceandeasenow.com. Balanceandeasenow.com. Sorry. To me now. Balance and ease now. I don't want to wait, right? <laughs> you know? That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So how did you come up with that, uh, that name, that yeah. slogan? I, I had been toying with it for a couple of years. I first had shift into you. Didn't like that. It took me a while. 
I mean, d- does balance, when you say balance, do you mean like work-life balance or? Well, I mean, it's balance within your own being. Balance. We need to, we're not, oh, okay. with our balance. We're not balanced. We're high, strong, we're anxious, we're uptight, we're overwhelmed. That's not balanced. We need, like you said, we need balance. We need to be. No, that makes sense. And I, so I wanted to have balance. I want people to, to, to learn how to feel and be balanced. And I feel like life should we should, it should be E, there should be ease in our life. I think when we're working, when, when, when things are easy, I'm not saying easy, but our life should have some sense of ease to it. Right. It shouldn't be so hard, be right? So hard. And I think that we're a lot of people, a lot of us are, we're trying too hard and that's not going to get us what we want. We need to slow down, kind of settle down into the present moment and, 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 and see what's available now. Um, using the breath. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, using your breath to anchor you into the now moment. But balance and ease is just really, I think, what we're all wanting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it can no, be you... attained. And it, very, it can be attained. It really can. It's possible. Awesome. So one thing that I noticed uh, it prominently displayed right on the homepage uh, of your website is asking for help is a sign of strength. And then what you wrote below is so well written. If you don't mind, I just want to read it out loud. Sure. If I may. If you're looking for guidance with anxiety, fears, depression, or stress, it takes courage to ask for help. Admitting you can't do everything on your own is the first step toward achieving wellness in a fast-paced, demanding world. The good news is asking for help gets easier with a little practice. The way in which we cope in the world is greatly influenced by how we see the world. Asking for help and obtaining a fresh perspective is often the first and most profound step toward developing the mental muscle needed to become stronger. I like that term, mental muscle. The more support you gain, the better equipped you will be to take on bigger challenges and achieve more successes. Okay, so I'm done reading now. And I can tell you from personal experience that that there are people who really need help, but frankly are simply too proud to ask for it. And so I wanted to ask you if you knew of a, of a way to kind of, because it's actually not that hard to tell someone needs help. You can't, you could tell you don't always need to be an experienced professional like yourself, but is there a way, uh, and maybe there isn't, but is there a, a delicate way to kind of bring up this message of it's not only okay to ask for help, but it's a sign of strength. Is there a way to do that? So, so uh, not to put somebody on the spot or, you know, just to allow them to save face. Mm-hmm. You mean like if you were talking to somebody and you knew they were struggling and you kind of wanted to offer, you know, offer it to them or ask them without hurting their feelings. Yeah. Because some people are just too proud. Like, yeah. They- yeah. Well, I mean, if they're too proud, it's, and you say something, it may not, yeah, may not work. But I guess you could always try because you know you care about them. You could say, "Hey, I, I, I notice, I notice that you're not." Um, yeah, it's kind of delicate, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's very delicate. I notice. Yeah, it is delicate. You know, is there anything I could? I guess you'd say maybe if you saw them stressing, if you saw them, I don't know yeah. how you would say it. Yeah, no, and that's fine. And, yeah. you know, I, I didn't mean to put you on a spot yeah. there, but I just kind of thought, because I think a lot of people could use your services, but some of them are, some people just wouldn't see themselves doing it. But, um, 
so I was just thinking, you know, is there some kind of a, you know, a I, way? They could ask them, they can ask themselves. They can even ask themselves, hey, am I satisfied? Am I satisfied with my life? You know, is, is my life yep. working? Is my life working for me? Am I happy? Because that's really it. Because if you're not happy and you're not satisfied, then something is wrong. You know? Absolutely. And it, so it's something that, yeah. that they basically have to kind of arrive at on their own is, is basically what you're saying. I think you, so. You can't, you can't kind of lead them to it. I mean, you could always lead them. You could say, hey, you know, if, if you have a good relationship with them, you could say, hey, I noticed you're struggling. You could say, I noticed you're not this yourself. Right. I noticed you're not yourself. I noticed, I noticed you haven't been smiling lately. I noticed you, you seem stressed out. Hey, yep. is, you know, um, is there anything I can do for you? Can I help you? What can I do? And then they would, they maybe that would offer them a place to talk to you about it, you know? Yeah. No, that's good. That's great. Um, so, uh, so again, I've been talking with Marnie Khan, counselor, uh, certified, licensed, um, your website, balanceandeasenow.com. Uh, and I'll include, I'll include that in the episode description as well. Um, and I encourage folks to check out the website. Um, you've got all kinds of credentials and experience. Uh, now you're licensed in the state of Maryland, but can your clients be out of state, out of state if it's Correct. online? How does that work? That's a problem. Yeah. We're not, we're not really, we're not allowed to see people in other states unless we have a license in that state. So yeah, it has to be a Maryland resident. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So if they, if they connect to you online, but if they're not from Maryland, you can't, you can't yeah, do that. We're not supposed to do that. Yeah. We're not allowed to do that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's why I asked because, yeah, you know, there's question. all kinds of rules. Right. And, and all kinds of rules out there. Especially with this online and, you know, with the pandemic and everyone's getting services online now. So Yeah, and I'm doing online um, therapy with some clients too. I mean, I, ha- I work at the hospital and I do have other clients so I can see it's called telehealth. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. platform. Yeah, so that's, yeah, they had to, it had to be in Maryland. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. But I mean, your services are perfect for doing online because I mean, or over the phone. It's yeah. Thank you. I th- it's great. I think it's it's a great profession, and I you know think it is. It's just a, it's an honorable, great profession, and it's it's very satisfying to help people. Um, yep. You're helping to create a better world when you help somebody else. It's 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 just it's a beautiful career to be into. Yep. You're not doing it for the money. You're doing it right, for the right. satisfaction. And exactly. you know, that's yeah, very satisfying. I leave every day feeling so good. Not every day, but I'd say like 90% <laughs> of the time I come home, I'm like, wow, what another great day. I really mean it. Yeah. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't know, you know, that many people who, mm-hmm. who can say that, you know, about their careers. So right. Obviously, you picked the right career, and obviously, you're good at it. So, um, yeah. so anyway, thank you so much again for being a guest on the show. Uh, it's been very interesting to get your perspectives on things, and uh, a, a, a real pleasure reconnecting with you. Yeah, me too. It was great. So, uh, wishing you good health and continued success. All right. Thank you, Adam. Take, hey, take care. Okay, bye-bye. 
If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time, there's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. That's MyStressAlarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in, and if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.